welcome back to the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. I am today's host, Chris Trevino, and I'm joined by Shotgun Spratling, my fellow Helium Boy. I'm giving Shotgun a little bit of a break. He's lost his voice. That's why we're a little bit delayed in getting this show up, but it's okay, Shotgun. I'm here to take the pain away. I'm going to carry the load as the host for today's show. Kind of a, a return to our normal format, because the last time we were on, we're doing a little breaking news about new defensive coordinator, Danton Lynn. Today's a little bit more of a regular show, Shadi. Okay, I'm fine with a regular show. I'm starting to get my voice back. It's been about three days of barely being able to squawk anything out. So it's slowly coming back with a lot of a lot of hot tea uh, with uh, honey. Do you uh, have any knowledge as to why you lost your voice? Is it shouting at the Atlanta Falcons or is it uh... – Otani going to the Dodgers, not the the Braves. What's going on? Where were we yelling at? Um, you know, if if I was a USC fan, I would have lost my voice yelling at the basketball team and the amount of turnovers and missed free throws they had against Long Beach State. That would have been an easy one, the way to lose my voice. Um, instead of, you know, if I was in the building, all the people that were cheering for Bronny, it was really fun to see um, him come back and everything. LeBron be in the building, the place be packed. But did not look good. The performance on the court after the first 20 minutes, the last tw- the second 20 minutes in the overtime period, were not very good. So USC got to get some things straightened out on the basketball court, but we'll talk about that in the USC triple double podcast coming up later this week. Oh, dodge my question and just went into a plug for his other podcast. Naturally. Very sneaky, very, very, very shotgun esque. And this is going to be an interesting show shotgun because this is kind of our first podcast without a clear thing that's happening because our podcast started during the season and it's always had a game to talk about or or something of that nature then we had our emergency podcast with Danton Lynn being hired and there's not really a lot going on but there is a lot going on but it's not you know there's it's not a clear subjects that are out there so this is going to be kind of a more free free flowing podcast but we're still doing the two-minute drill And the thing is, you can react to whatever you want to going on in USC football or USC basketball. Maybe you'll do a little basketball. Maybe you'll talk a little about a new coach. I don't know what you're going to talk about, uh, Shotgun. It is your time to do what you please. I'm just pulling up our little timer here for you. And are you ready, Shotgun, for your two-minute drill? Sure, Chris. I'm ready. Let's go. Right. And away you go. I mean, I think we got to start this show with talking about the power move that USC made. When you hire away, not just an FCS head coach, not just a head coach from another program, but a national championship winning head coach looking for his third national championship in, I believe, five years, maybe six years, um, at bringing in Matt Entz from North Dakota State really stood out. It kind of popped up out of the blue. I was on a train ride, actually, at the time. Um, and <clears throat> was waiting for Santa to bring me some hot chocolate to, again, work on helping this throat out. But, you know, was kind of stunned by the news to, to hear it, you know, as we're going through our group thread, our, our group text and everything, uh, trying to confirm the news, trying to get the news out, trying to get all the news uh, on the site and all that type of stuff. But the thing that stood out to me is you're pulling an active coach who is actively in the final four of the FCS, head coach, 
to bring him in and be a position coach. Now he also has the title of assistant head coach for the defense, whatever. That's just a title for money pretty much. But his job is going to be the linebackers coach. So that definitely stood out to me. Big time move. Lincoln Riley talked about he wanted to have the best staff in America, the best defensive staff he could get. And this is a step towards it, I think. When you bring in a, a sitting head coach and turn him into a position coach, that definitely stood out. So that was a big one. Other than that, Chris, I've been really into the Christmas spirit this year. I'm not always. But for whatever reason, I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies. Um, I haven't been partaking in the Christmas cookies. I wish I was. There's lots of them in my household. Uh, but because I'm not eating sugar this year, I'm giving that up. Maybe on Christmas Day, we'll, we'll make an exception. But I'm just burning some time because for once, I am actually through my two-minute drill uh, a little bit earlier than normal. So I'm going to give you the last five seconds, a little, a little runway for you. Wow, how gracious of you, Shotgun, to gift me five of your precious seconds. And just so you know, anyone who knows Shotgun, five seconds is a lot of time for Shotgun Spratling. That is like <laughs> two minutes in Shotgun time. That is a lot. So this is a very... Uh, humbling honor for you to give me those five seconds. So I have two minutes and five seconds. Is that what you're saying? You do. Uh, I might also tell you how much that, uh, how limited my voice is tonight, uh, that I may not be able to go on any Gerard Martinez, Dan Weber-esque rants, um, which are also shotgun spratling-esque rants too, but uh, maybe not be able to get to those. But Chris, you have two minutes and five seconds if you so choose to use it. Your time starts now. Look, it's open here. I can talk about what you just talked about, the new uh, linebackers coach. I can talk about the holiday ball. I can talk about the transfer portal. I can talk about new commitments, but I'm not talking about any of that shotgun. I'm talking about the Helium Boys merch that dropped earlier this week on the Peristyle Shop, www.peristyleshop.com. It's so me to use my time to do a shameless plug. And I just want to say, <laughs> full disclosure, I'm being open and honest right now. Nobody has bought one yet. Now, I don't care <laughs> about the money. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars getting this design and putting this up. I don't care about the money. If I can get one person, one person on this little marble in the universe that we call Earth to buy one of these with our stupid faces on it. And as I didn't know, mention, it is a 90s rap t-shirt bootleg kind of like those ones you see in throwbacks. <laughs> it is one of those of the Helium Boys. And if I can just get one person on this stupid planet to buy one, that's worth it to me. That's all I need. I just need one person to buy that. And look, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to promise you to the one person that does buy this, or if there's maybe 10 people that buy it, I'm going to shout you out individually at the end of every Helium Boys podcast. When someone new buys one, I'm going to give a personalized shout out at the end of the podcast. I'm adding a new segment to this podcast and that's <laughs> my promise that is my promise until this helium boys podcast ends or i die at the age of 36 in a boating accident i am going to uphold that promise you will be shouted out and again i just want one person to buy this a hoodie a t-shirt there's lots of colors you can use the code helium 23 all caps to get 10 percent off your order until this friday helium 23, all caps for 10% off your order. Shotgun, that's really all I have. I have those five seconds, and I just want to say, I think the hire is an A for uh, the linebackers coach, Matt Enns. That's all I got. Nice job, Chris. Nice plug. I thought about using my time for that. Chris did a tremendous job of getting this done. 
if you've ever seen an album cover from the late 90s, early aughts, especially Cash Money, anything from the New Orleans area, uh, you know, the Masterpiece, Silk the Shocker, Little Wayne, very reminiscent. Looks a lot like a lot of those uh, album covers did. I thought it was hilarious when I first saw the the uh, the design. And we also, we did have one person say they would pay double if we signed it, Chris. So, you know, that might be the first person to purchase one. We've got to figure out how to get the, the shipping to us so we can sign it for them. Or we can, you know, set up a, la- a date later to, to make that happen. But, yes, there is Helium Boys merchandise. We've teased it in the past we've wanted to get some stuff done we've been wanting to get some merch for you guys for a couple years and we've got some more stuff coming down the line as well get your cilantro boy stuff at the peristyle shop um you know check that out get your cilantro boy stuff get your helium boys we'll have some more stuff down the line unfortunately we can't use actual we can't use our uscfootball.com logo because we're not allowed to use usc in the name of it so we can't use anything that has usc actually on it any usc logos so we had to have some creativity, and the Helium Boys design is definitely creative. Chris, uh, A-plus effort with that one. I'm sure we will have some people that you get to shout out here in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I don't care about the money. I don't care about recouping my thousands of dollars in investment. All I care about is selling one of these things, and that <laughs> is my goal for the end of 2023 as we move into 2024. But let's stop hawking merch right now shotgun we have to move (laughs) on to your larger topic for the two-minute drill that is the hiring of north dakota north dakota state head coach matt entz as usc's new linebacker coach as i mentioned briefly at the end of my two-minute drill i really like the hire obviously it comes with some risk because as he pointed out in his press conference earlier this week he doesn't have FBS experience. He has never coached at this high level, specifically when it comes to recruiting. He's not familiar with recruiting at the power five or the FBS FBS level. Obviously those schools are dealing with smaller resource pools, not as many scholarships. You know, their recruiting is so much different recording recruiting to uh, North Dakota state as it is to a blue blood program. You know, when he said, you know, he's not that familiar with NIL NIL is not a thing at the FCS level. You know, that is not something they're dealing with. It's something he's going to have to be familiar with and learn about on the move or on the go while he's coaching at USC. So he wants to get familiar with those things. You know, he wants to take on a new challenge. That is kind of the one risk with this thing. But I think from a coaching standpoint, it's a home run hire. He's obviously overqualified for the position as a multi-national championship winning coach. Doesn't matter if it's the FCS level. It does not matter. Winning a national championship is a damn hard thing to do, and to do it at that level is still an impressive thing to do. Those playoffs are so fun to to watch. The FCS, they they go off, and hopefully, you know, that is replicated at the FBS level here in a couple years when they expand it. But I think it's a home run higher from a coaching aspect. A little bit risky in terms of him not having that FBS experience and in the recruiting sense. But hey, if you're going to build a great defense, you got to go with the coaching first, and then more talented players will come because they want to be a part of that defense. One, let's start with the recruiting aspect. Yes, you're right. It is completely, abjectly different. USC, when they have the official visits, when they have the big official visit weekends, they are now taking players out on yachts. That one trip, that one weekend for USC, I think they just did one this past weekend. It seemed like from one of the social media messages I saw from one of the staff members about getting big men on the boat or something. 
If that's the case, that's probably the recruiting budget or more than the recruiting budget that North Dakota State has per year. One weekend at USC because they go all out. You know, you're going out to, uh, you know, uh, Nobu by Malibu for a dinner. You're going, you're staying at the the Ritz Carlton downtown. Like, if I, if I was a average player, you know, I'm not an average player, but a player um, that had no interest in USC, I still would show interest in USC to try to get that official visit, just to compare it to all the other ones, because they wine and dine you. I mean, a lot of places do the steakhouse and different things, but it's in LA. You get the Hollywood vibe. And like I said, they spend some bank on these weekends. I, I've talked with some people in the athletic department in the pre in the past and talked about there is some, a good chunk of change spent on each one of these weekends that they have official visits. Like I said, probably more than the recruiting budget at North Dakota State. And North Dakota State's at the higher end of the SCS. You don't get to be multi, like they had nine, they had won nine of 10 or eight of nine championships before he took over as head coach. And I think they're going for their third one in five or six years with him as head coach. So they are the preeminent power. So they have more budget than other programs. But still, probably not as much as USC spends in one weekend when they have one of the big ones, the big luau, the big whatever it is, when they have a bunch of uh, recruits in. So let's start there. But where does he recruit most often? Because you don't have a, a big budget, you're not going to Georgia for talent. You're not going to Texas. You're not going to California and taking a bunch of trips back and forth. Now, if you have a hotbed and you know some coaches really well, maybe you take one trip per year, maybe two. But you're not flying back and forth. USC has been in to see Cameron Fountain. Roy Manning's been there twice in the last two weeks. Flying to Georgia. You know, they've been they went and saw Elijah Newby. They went and saw they're flying all over the country. You don't have that budget in North Dakota State. So where are you going? Where your footprint is, where your geographic footprint is, and that's the Midwest. Where is USC about to move conferences to? The Midwest and the Big Ten. So I think that's a big thing because one. He's going to be the only person on staff, really, that has those connections with some of those high school coaches. So that's going to be a big boost for USC that, hey, now you got to end. All right, hey, get your foot in the door. Hey, let me introduce you to Coach Riley. He's the best. Let me tell you about him. I know I've known you for 10 years now, been recruiting your kids forever. I got to tell you about Coach Riley. He's amazing. He does this and this. Let me tell you about Roy Manning. Let me tell you about whoever it is on the staff. That's your first in. You're getting your foot in the door. That's a big positive. And because the cachet that comes with he's a national championship winning coach. Those high school coaches are trying to send their kids there saying, Hey, this is a better fit for you than, you know, going to a group of five school or whatever. So he's been selling, selling, selling for a while. So I think you have that second, you talked about, Hey, it's at a lower level, but it's winning national championships. Now, like I said, they are the preeminent program. They have been winning before he got there. They'll probably continue to win after he leaves, especially with, Schools like James Madison moving up. Uh, that was one of their big competitors. But let's look at another coach. Won three national championships at an NAIA school, uh, 2006, 2008, 2009, had a runner-up in 2007, and then slowly started making his way up the, the ranks. He's currently in the college football playoff. His name is Kalen DeBoer at Washington. He was at Sioux Falls in AIA, but it is tough to win national championships at any level, even if you are the program that's expected to do that. And then he went and was able to, you know, work his way up and became a head coach and look what he's done. That is the trajectory 
and possibly even, you know, the archetype of what Matt Ince is looking at. He says, wow, see what Kalen DeBoer is doing? He was at a lower level, but look what he had to do. He went to Southern Illinois initially and was the offense or was the offense coordinator and wide receivers coach. Eastern Michigan was the offense coordinator, Fresno State offense coordinator, Indiana, back to Fresno State as a head coach, and then up to Washington. So it took him a decade, basically, to get back to being a head coach. But that's what Matt Ince is looking at and saying, if I stay here, I'm going to be stuck here at this level. Let me go be a position coach and try to work my way up. Now, to look at that same example, Kalen DeBoer was at Southern Illinois from 2010 to 2013. So uh, four years there. So that's what you can, you know, if you get a position coach for four years and they're a successful position coach, that's you're doing really well. You know, position coaches that are really good will move on, you know, quicker than coordinators actually will. Um, so for Matt Ince, this is an opportunity to, hey, come prove yourself. And also if, if you're him, you go, all right, where's a good fit? Who's got talent? Who's got talent that didn't perform great? And that USC linebacker room, I still think, is very talented. So I think this is a great opportunity for him to come in, prove himself, and start trying to work his way up. Uh, and whether that's work his way up to a D.C. and potentially at USC, if, if Danton Lynn is truly such a hot name, hot commodity, if the linebackers improve greatly and two years later Danton Lynn wants to leave and take a head coach position or go to the NFL or whatever it is, Maybe you already have your his replacement on staff and someone like Matt Ince. That's way far out thinking um, trajectory-wise, but these are all some of the thoughts that came to my mind when you start looking like, whoa, what? that's a strange move for USC. I like it, but why would that work for each side? And I think it is. I think it's a great opportunity for both sides. I think USC gets a coach from a proven commodity program that has worked with a lot of kids in the Midwest, has a lot of connections in the Midwest, and Ince gets an opportunity to start working his way up in a similar fashion as someone like Kalen DeBoer did. That's a win-win for both parties. Lincoln Riley wants to build a better defensive staff, better coaching. Matt Ence can do that. And Matt Ence, in his turn, you know, he wants that opportunity. Like you said, he is clearly a guy who has ambition to move up, but he also knows that he needs more FBS experience. I saw some people, you know, after they saw his press conference from earlier in this week, where he's like, yeah, he's going to be a one-and-done. He's going to be gone. I wouldn't say that for sure. He needs a lot of time, not a lot of time, but he needs multiple years as a position coach to probably get that bump up to be maybe a, a, a full-time DC at, a, at another power five program or a head coach at the power five program. But like you, you pointed out with Lynn, you know, there's always a little bit of threat of him going back to the NFL or being poached for a head coaching job in college, maybe, but Matt Ence is a accomplished defensive coordinator. Obviously, it's at the lower level, but he has been a DC at four different programs, and he was also a pretty successful one at uh, North Dakota State before he took over and got the bump up to the head coaching gig. Uh, so, yeah, he has experience, and he, he's going to learn under Danton Lynn. You know, he obviously, as you pointed out, could be a guy that gets moved up there. You know, uh, maybe not, I don't want to say contingency plan, but it's an option for Lincoln Riley if he wants to go that route. This is a guy who is who has DC experience, who has obviously a head coaching national championship experience, and he's a pretty good coach, or we're going to find out if he's a pretty good coach here at the power five level. So it's a win-win for, for both sides of this equation. And, you know, just listening to his press conference, I came off really impressed, seemed really personable, seemed like a, you know, a guy we, we would like to interview and shotgun 
do you have any in mind? Like, what would be the first question you would ask Matt Entz about coming to USC or in general, just his uh, philosophy? I mean, the first thing you want to know is just uh, what does he look for in his linebackers? Like, is he wanting them to, and, and partly this go and say, hey, you're running the defense. What do you want your linebackers to do? Are they aggressive downhill? Are they filling gaps? Are you wanting them to read and react? How are you, you know, are you looking for guys that can cover at the same time? Are you looking for two down guys and then have a third down guy? Like, how do you, do you want to use your personnel? Those type of things would be the first thing. The first non-football X's and O's thing would be like, how much is your wife and kids enjoying things right now? Because you just moved in the middle of winter from Fargo, North Dakota to Southern California. How much is your wife being like, you know what, honey? This is great. This is awesome. I know we're moving. We're still trying to find a house. We're still trying to do all this stuff, but I love it already. <laughs> I have six take it or leave it. Can I just give you the one right now since you just brought it up? Sure. Take it or leave it. You have to pick one. It's one of the ones where you pick one. Bigger culture shock. Fargo to L.A. or L.A. to Fargo? Um, that's tough. Culture shock. I don't want to be hateful and say that there's not culture in Fargo, but it's very linear. There's one lane. There's not a lot of diversity in Fargo. It's snow. Yeah, it's very white. White all the time in Fargo. Uh, Where you come to L.A. and it's one... I, I don't know if I've told this story actually on any of the podcasts, but when I okay. came to when I came to USC for grad, I came to USC for grad school for for anyone that doesn't know that. I drove out. I'd never been west of the Mississippi. I'd never been west of Memphis, and only went there for a baseball trip. Had basically been a little bit up and down the north, the East Coast. Basically, had not gone anywhere west from Georgia originally. I drive out on the way. I have a a cement mixer a tire explode beside me um, as I'm driving. And I nearly got, yeah, I nearly got pinned against the retaining wall, concrete retaining wall. Thankfully, the driver kept it pretty steady, but it ripped up my car in Odessa, Texas. I asked where Booby Miles was. No one, no one thought that was funny. Uh, I was, I was asking seriously, but um, the cops did not have an answer for that. Anyways, I get to LA and after this accident and also just the wear and tear of driving cross country for the first time. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to L.A. I'm going to park my car. I'm going to take the bus. I'm going to take – because I've been to New York, been to Washington, and been to Philly. Um, so, like, I'm expecting some public transportation. I'm going to use public transportation. I get here, and I'm like, whoa, this is so much different than any other city. It is a sprawling metropolis. It is not condensed in the same regard. So, taking public transportation everywhere is not really an option, especially as a grad student and you're – your teachers just say, Hey, you got an assignment, go to La Canada. And I'm like, where is La Canada? I don't know where La Canada is. There was a fire going on at the time. Uh, so go up to La Canada, Flint Ridge and do this. And I'm like, I don't know where La Canada is. I'm like, where, why is there a Canada in California? This is weird. Uh, anyways, but like it was a, it, that was a culture shock to me as far as just the diversity of, of everything. It's not just diversity of people and food, but the city is so much different. Fargo is, I'm assuming, very much similar now when you get outside of the city limits. 
is very wide and spread out. And that's kind of what LA is like. One city to the next city is spread out, but you know, it's not, it's not all farmland. It's, you know, business upon business, residence upon residence. Uh, But I think it's definitely going from Fargo to, to LA is much bigger of a culture shock in that regard, because there's so many things that you haven't been accustomed to, and it's not common for you. And even for me coming from Georgia and having been to some of the East coast, big cities and, you know, obviously INS has been around to a bunch of different places, but it will definitely be living. will be a lot different in that regard. So INS is not going to be joining the, the USC program until after North Dakota state wraps up their playoff run. As shotgun mentioned, they're in the final four for the FCF. FCS uh, Division One playoffs. They're going to take on number two seed Montana this weekend. So, you know, USC fan, you got nothing to do. Maybe check out that game. Should be a fun one. You could check out uh, USC's uh, next linebackers coach, coach on the sideline in another equally as cold place as North Dakota, Montana. And uh, the other Final Four game, I believe, is South Dakota, I want to say, um, versus Albany. Um so if that's the case, then, you know, it could potentially be a matchup of the Dakotas. Who doesn't Dakotas. like a, a good matchup of the Dakotas? Personally, have you ever been to the, go ahead. the Dakotas? Have you ever been to a Dakota? Yes, I've been to both. Uh, I have okay. been through the Badlands in South Dakota multiple times, uh, Bison, Road Jams, uh, Roadblocks there, Mount Rushmore, all that on my travels, uh, road trip travels. The only state I still haven't been to, Chris, is Alaska. I still got that one left. Mm. Any baseball coverage in the Dakotas? I have to ask because so North Dakota State does have a baseball team, which is like, why does Colorado, why does Iowa State, why do Wisconsin not have baseball teams if North Dakota State can produce a baseball team? Are they good now? North Dakota does not have a baseball team anymore. They did. I actually have some North Dakota baseball gear because their program got shut down, unfortunately, about five years ago with some budget cuts and whatnot. And also it was right around the time when they switched from being the Fighting Sioux, um, named after the Native American tribe, obviously, to being the Fighting Hawks, I think it is. Um, You know, they decided to get rid of the the Native American mascot, which is disappointing. So for a actual period in the gear that I actually have is just North Dakota baseball. They could only use the North Dakota. They could, they'd had no mascot for two years. How do you not have a mascot for two years? It made it, it made writing about them a lot more difficult when you're writing a story because you'd only have one reference to them. North Dakota did this, would, North Dakota did this, North Dakota did this, North Dakota did this. There was no, they at it. They I, would, did I would just, I would just make up a different, Mascot every time I filed a story about them. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. Interesting. They're, that that sounds like something you do. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And I have a mascot for two years. And then South Dakota State, obviously, is the Jackrabbits, which is a great mascot as well. Iconic. Iconic, if you will. So, yeah, you can check out uh, USC's new linebacker coach coaching in the playoffs still. But, yeah, he's not going to be joining until after that run is done. I think it's just interesting that the hire came out at this time, you know, while you're playing for the semifinals. It's just an interesting thing. You know, usually it doesn't break until kind of after. And maybe there's not really a lot of confirmation, you know, kind of like with the Jonathan Smith thing. It seemed like it was going to happen, but there's no confirmation from him going into their game 
against Oregon. And then right when it's over, that's when it happens. So it's just interesting that, you know, he talked about it and confirmed it, you know, going into this game. That's that's usually not how it happens. So I'm, I'm interested to see how uh, North Dakota State looks uh, this weekend when they play, knowing that their head coach is going to be leaving for uh, a new opportunity. Yeah, and the, he answered that question, why would you leave at this, or why would the announcement come out? And he said, for recruiting, for USC recruiting, because it's a lot easier to say, that's our guy, he's up there, you see him, he's about to, he's trying to play for a national championship versus saying, oh, we got a guy, but we can't say anything yet. Trust me. Yeah. Trust uh, me, bro, I got it. Yeah, got it. I, don't, I don't really do well with those situations in recruiting, especially when it's coming down the wire before early signing period or if I'm a transfer not nah, coach, that ain't working for me. I didn't know who it is. Oh, we got a good guy. We we really think you'll like him. Can't say anything right yet. Like that, that's not working for me. Now nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to this other school who I know I got. I know what scheme he wants to run. I know how he uses his guys, type of thing. If let's say I was Lincoln Riley and I'm recruiting you shotgun as a stud linebacker, and I couldn't tell you who our new coach was, would you accept me doing charades to let you know who it was? No, no, that wouldn't come off. I don't. Wouldn't I wouldn't. I, I'm be honest. <laughs> I don't know how good Lincoln Riley's charades game is. Let's be. Let's be clear. I don't here, know. Chris. I don't know, man. Those coaches. Those coaches do a lot of signing that's, that's and stuff true. on the sideline. So you know they might that's be able true. to whip something up. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Sounds like bat. You know. Come on. You could get there. I think you can get there. I think you can't do sounds let's, like that. Shouldn't work. That shouldn't happen. Let's. Uh, it sounds like we need to move on to our next topic, which is something we didn't talk about last week because we didn't do a podcast last week but it's old news in the sense that usc is going to play in the holiday bowl they're going to face louisville the runner-up in the acc championship usc versus louisville you know i know some people were maybe hoping for an oklahoma game or against clemson lincoln versus Dabo, two first name guy first name guys <laughs> older brother versus younger brother garrett riley versus lincoln riley a lot more storylines with the Clemson game, but Louisville it is, and they're they're a good team. They're a good program. They they're they were uh, I think they're nine and three on the season. They got a, a decent defense, I believe, and they put up some points. So this should be a fun matchup, regardless. Out there in San Diego on December twenty seventh. Now I don't want to talk about Louisville yet because there's still plenty of time to do that. But I I kind of wanted to talk about the fact that we know some of the players that are not going to be playing. For USC in the Holiday Bowl, no Brendan Rice, no Marshawn Lloyd, no Caleb Williams. You know, Caleb hasn't officially declared for the NFL draft, but Lincoln Riley went ahead and said he's not going to be playing in the bowl game. Obviously, you're going to put two and two together. He's not playing in that game. He's going to the NFL. Brendan Rice, I'm assuming, I did not see a practice, so I'm assuming he's not going to be playing the bowl game. And then no Marshawn, Marshawn Lloyd, who officially declared for the NFL. So those are the kind of the big names that we're not going to see in the holiday bowl for USC and just kind of what that looks like with some of those key guys not playing. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Rice has announced he's not going to be playing as well. I don't know if it was an announcement or NFL declaration, but it, it, he's not playing. So big, some big pieces missing. Yeah. Uh, Louisville went 10 and three this season. Um, this is the first season under Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom comes over, returns home, comes over from Purdue where he had been. And they put up points. This is we'll talk about the matchup later, but 
USC needs every defender possible, and they need to be able to score points to keep up. So this is going to be an interesting one for sure with your top big play receiver, your top running back, your quarter, your Heisman winning quarterback, all being out. It's going. To, this should be USC should treat this like a spring game. Honestly, I don't think they have much chance to win in this game. Uh, you know, I would have already. I know it's difficult to do with recruiting and stuff, and this is uncommon, but I would have said, hey, Denton Lynn, you're taking over. Implement your defense. We're going to treat this as spring. We have three weeks of practice. What are you getting in in the spring? You get 15 practices. Now they stretch it out over five weeks, but – Oh, so your, your team let them go? Your team, I'm let team them just go. throw it in there. We're, gonna, we're not trying to win this game. If we do, that's great. We're trying to get an early start on 2024. Who gives a shit about 2023 anymore? We're on to 2024, baby. We got to start looking forward. And that's what you do in warm with the quarterback. What's Miller Moss got? All right, this is your chance, Moss. Show me what you got. This is your chance. Quentin Joyner, Amarian Peterson. Like Austin Jones is still going to play in this game. He'll be the guy that starts. But I, at, at best, I would split equally divide those reps between those three guys. Um, I want to see what those young guys got. Let me know if you can be the bell cow or I need to make sure we get a transfer guy that can start. Like that's that's what I'm looking at each position for. Now Taj Washington is gonna it should be playing in this game. He's gonna come in to get his thousand yards. That's a priority for me. I want that to happen. Too good of a kid. And maybe you can talk him to coming back. I, I don't think he should personally for him. He's shown as much as he can show, I think, in, in college. Go to the NFL. He's shown you can be a special teams player, all those type of things. But with these opt-outs, you get Taj Washington and his, but then it's all about the young guys. And also some guys like Dorian Singer. It's like, do you want to be here? Do you want to be a guy in 2024? Show me what you can do now, or we got to be making more moves in the portal. And now some of these moves may still happen before – this game is played, obviously, because so much happens quickly in the portal. But this would be my show-me time. That's why I would treat this as a spring game. I would try to implement as much defense as possible, start putting guys in the positions they're going to be at uh, next year. Why wait? What advantage does it give you to wait? Now, I know the the reason why you don't do it is because, hey, you want Denton Lynn to be out in the road recruiting. You want to be doing that and not really focusing on the game planning and that stuff. But if you're treating it like a spring, how much game planning are you really doing? Like maybe the week of, when granted that's Christmas week, and it's that's why December is so difficult for coaches. It is an absolutely hectic time. I mean, like I talked about, USC has been to Georgia twice in the last two weeks. Roy Manning's been out there twice. Dentalin went out there last week. Lincoln Riley was in home with guys this week. So, it's difficult. That's a difficult time for coaches, and they're still trying to do the family stuff at the same time. It's not ideal. Transfer portal, early signing period, all of it happening at once while you're trying to do bowl prep, trying to talk guys. You got to do all your exit interviews. You got to talk to guys like, hey, are you coming back? All that type of stuff, convince guys. It is not an easy time. But I would just – I would punt on this bowl game, and I would just go immediately go to, hey, this is a spring game, and let's treat it that way. They're not going to do that. And so my question then becomes, all right, if you aren't fully punting, are you half punting? Is this like a 
Is this a pooch kick? Is this a you know a QB direct snap punt type of situation? Where you're not fully punting, but you're getting young guys opportunities. And we're gonna play and Stanley, instead of Stanley Tafu and hey, Dejon Bitten's already entered the transfer portal. Jack Sullivan, these older guys, eh, we're going to give Elijah Hughes as much run as possible. We're going to see what he's got. We're going to put Sam Green in there. And because the NCAA has said that for the second year in a row, they haven't made this official going forward, but for the second year in a row, they've said, hey, there's a waiver because so many people are in the transfer portal whatnot um, that any games that you play, any bowl games do not count towards your red shirt count. So if you've already played in four games, you can still play, and it doesn't count. You can still be counted as a redshirt. So that's something they did last year, and maybe it's something that becomes official going forward if they don't change the early signing period um, and the transfer portal windows. But because of that, you can play all your freshmen if you really wanted to. So, hey, do we see somebody new on the offense line? You know, is is the offense line healthy? We don't, we never heard what was wrong with Jared Kingston that he missed the UCLA game. So – you know, do you throw in Elijah Page? Do you throw in some freshmen and say, we love you, Justin Dietrich. We want you to get some run, but we're going to rotate. We're gonna, we want to see if Killian O'Connor is really a scholarship-worthy guy, one, and whether or not he can hand, handle, you know, the um, uh, Lole, the Arizona State transfer from, was it Long Beach Poly, that was going to come to USC yeah. potentially, there was some issues with maybe his grades or something. Uh, he ends up at Louisville. He's a guy in the middle of their defense. Like, that's a guy that was was a freshman all-conference player, if I remember correctly, um, but a quality player. Can you handle him? Well, we need to know. We need to know right now if you can be that guy or you're not going to be on our two deep next year. So we need to move on, and we need to make sure we either get somebody else from the transfer portal or – we put more stock in someone moving to center, maybe Jonah Monheim, maybe you know someone else that it, we thought would be at guard if we think you can be there. Like those type of things would have to happen. So it could be a trial and error, and it could be that pooch punt instead of a full punt. But I would go, if it was me, I would have went full punt and said, hey, we appreciate you seniors. We're going to give you a little bit of game time, but this is going to be on all the young guys, and we're going to try to implement as We're going to try to install as much of this defense as we can to see what we got, to see who fits, to see what body types need to change, all those type of things, both in practice and then in that game against Louisville. For a guy with a beat-up voice, you did kind of go on a rant there. <laughs> and he's coughing. He's getting some tea. He's, he gave it all. He yeah. gave it his all right now. He's collapsing. At the goal line, he took us to 99-yard run with that with that run there. Shotgun, you make a lot of great points, and I agree with you on the kind of the second half of that rant there with getting those young guys run, kind of half punt whatever. You want to see Elijah Page. You want to see Alani Noah. Shoot, give him some Killian O'Connor. You're right. Let's see Braylon Shelby maybe a little bit more, more there, more Elijah Hughes, yep. more of those young defensive back. Christian Pierce, throw him in there. And yeah, I, I agree with you in that sense, but I don't just to play devil's advocate with the uh, let Lynn Im- implement the defense. Three weeks is not a long time to kind of get all that there. And obviously it wouldn't be perfect. And I know there's a lot of people that are saying this on message boards and social media, like screw it. It doesn't matter. USC's defense sucks anyway. Just, just let them implement it. And, you know, it won't be finished, whatever. It won't be a finished product. They're going to stink anyway, but just let them get the head start. 
I, I get what they're saying with that, but if Louisville and high as high powered as their offense is goes out and just destroys the USC defense, which is, you know, still trying to implement and learn a new defensive scheme in three weeks with finals and everything going on and all this, this chaosness of recruiting and transfer and all that, you know, those people who are saying, start, just let Lynn get a head start. You know, they'd be coming back and saying, we hired the wrong guy. Look how bad our defense is. This is what we're going to be seeing all next season. I, I just think that's what's the, uh, what what's going to be the, uh, the thing you're going to have to hear all off season saying, you know, Lynn sucks. Look how bad we looked in the holiday bowl. He had three weeks to get this done and we looked terrible. I just think, and I know you're shaking your head right now because I can see you, but <laughs> I can, you know, college football fans, you know, that's what they're going to be saying. If Louisville went up and hung 50 points or 40 points or 35 points, whatever, you know that they're going to be harping on that all off season, but well, you saw what happened in the holiday bowl. I don't know if this is going to be the thing. And then we just have to keep saying, but that was only three weeks. It was only three weeks of prep. It, it, it shouldn't have done it. You know that's what's going to be being talked about all offseason. I don't think they want to go into that offseason with that. Hey, Chris, are you trying to win a national championship in 2024 or are you trying to win the offseason between 2023 and 2024? Look, fair point. I guess I'm just looking at it to make my job a little easier this offseason. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm being selfish. But you know that's what would happen. You know that's what would happen. Uh, who's expecting USC not to give up 40 points? Like, I don't I don't know the Louisville roster, but off the top of my head, I haven't seen them have a bunch of opt-outs or anything. So, like, they've been scoring pretty consistently. Outside against Florida State, I don't know, a team that's really good that probably should be in the college football playoff. You know, the games they lost, they scored 31 against Kentucky. There you go, SEC defense. They did only get scored 21 against Pitt. But other than that, I mean, you know, they put up points pretty much every game. Outside of NC State, they won 13-10. But, you know, they score points throughout the season – I'm expecting them to put up a good amount of points. USC defense has shown you what that makes you think they're going to stop them. Why not completely do it? And hey, you don't even have to say anything. You can say, "Yeah, we're just he's not going to go, whatever." You could lie about it the entire way and then spring it on them. Hey, they've been watching tape on what USC does all season. Maybe that gives you an advantage to start with. But you're also, what do you do in the spring? You work on the fundamentals. You work on the basics. We're not trying to be, you know, exotic with everything. That's what they said they were going to do after Alex Grinch left. So why not do it with the defense you're going to run next year rather than the one that you're getting rid of? That would be my counter to your devil's advocate. But then you also have to get all the coaches on the same page. You have to get them to be in a position to teach the scheme as well. So Lynn has to coach the the coaches, True. which That's maybe not even gonna maybe they're maybe not they're they're not even gonna be the coaches he coaches with in the spring to learn this scheme for them to be able to coach the players on the individual level for their position groups. It just seems like a lot of like learning and distilling to do in three weeks. That's, that's another counterpoint that, for me. That's a valid point. I I agree with that. But hey, again, we get another podcast there. He said valid point. That's it. <laughs> again, treat it like a spring. You're gonna have to go through all that stuff anyway. So why not start it? 
as me as you know, rip the band-aid off and get the get to work as soon as you can, rather than all right, we'll wait, we'll wait a couple months and then we'll start doing what we want to try to do for next year. Look, all good arguments, all I mean, good points. If you really wanted, you could have kept Alex Grinch on. You said, Hey, he's fired at the end of the oh, year. No, oh no. Why not? It'd be so much simpler, Chris. Why don't why didn't you do that? Look, Occam's <laughs> Razor. Maybe that would have been simpler. Maybe that would have been simpler. But you know, I, I I think we're going. People are on your side with this one, Shotgun. Everyone's going to be on your side. I'm going to be the hated one on this podcast. But I'm just trying to add a little balance to the show okay. as the host right now. I'm just trying to add a little bit of balance to the show. That, that's that's all I, I'm doing. I actually haven't seen a ton of people on the message board saying that. So I, don't, I mean, I haven't read a ton of the threads and stuff on that regard. But. Uh, if they are saying off that. now, that's kind of fallen off now with the hiring of Entz and the transfer portal opening up. But yeah. like when he first got hired, that was kind of like the hot topic. Uh, but you know, they moved on, and I think we should move on to our break shotgun, and then we can come back and do some questions. All right. Well, we'll be right back after. Uh, I, I screwed that up, but we'll be right back after these uh, messages from other sponsors. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. How was your break? My break was fine. I'm trying to still recruit. I think I wasn't able to get more tea in that time, but you know, I got I got some extra water, so we're good. You just gotta power through it. We just got a handful of questions, not a ton of questions. Then you just gotta do take it or leave it, and that's it, shotgun. And then bing bang boom, we're done. All right. So you put out the call, not a ton, even though I know you're going to add some at some point. Uh, we're going to go to Stevie, who DM both of us this question. So it's going to go at the top. Do you guys think the O-line performance this year, there should be a coaching change in that position? They definitely took a step back in 2023. That comes from Stevie. Shotgun, I'm going to go on record and say, no, they don't need to go in a coaching change with Josh Henson on the O-line. No, I don't think so. Um, but there needs to be improvement for sure next year. Um, you're allowed one mulligan. This was not a very good year. The pieces never really seem to fit together. <clears throat> and I think that was the biggest thing for this group. Last year's pieces still worked so well, and you saw the big improvement that the group made. So that showed me what Johnson's can do. Also, if you listen to those guys, you know, we've known Justin Dietrich for years. We've known Jonah Monheim for years. We've known Brett Elon, Andrew Voorhees. We've known these guys for a long time. So when they tell, you know, Andrew Voorhees been through, I think he was, I think it was his fourth or fifth different offensive line coach, maybe fifth one since he committed um, and four that he actually was coached by. And he told me that, uh, Josh, I think it was Andrew Voorhees, maybe Brett Elon, maybe one of the other old guys. I don't remember exactly. One of the guys told me, uh, I think it was Andrew Voorhees, that 
he's the best coach I've had. And then one of the other guys said he's so technical. He, he, he is so engrossed in the detail in ways that other coaches hadn't been, that that's one of the reasons why they were still able to improve, even though they were, you know, fifth, six year guys. Hey, I've been through it. I've done it. Oh, this guy comes in and it's teaching me new things still. Uh, I think that was really impressive. Now this year, the pieces never fit. And I think there were were some rumblings behind the scenes that, you know, what was said wasn't what was followed through on with some of the playing time situations and some different things, guys that were moved back and forth um, at times. They never found that consistency, that continuity that they were looking for, that cohesive unit. It was five different guys lined up beside each other. Hey, we're going to play beside each other. But not that you knew exactly what that guy next year is going to do, which was what the group before. And part of that is the experience. When you know, you know you've been beside guys for years, you know what they're going to do. And maybe if Gino Quinones would have been in there, and the fact that he practiced with Justin Dietrich and beside Jonah Monheim for you know for three years, maybe that helps. But it just never came together. And the fact that they didn't have any of the returners side by side, maybe that had an issue played part into it. You know, the, the offense line was a little bit better once Mason Murphy got inside and he was beside Justin Dietrich. Uh, but then at the end of the year, you know, UCLA tore apart everything they had. Uh, so, you know, that's the thing. They have to find a way to unify much quicker. And they talked about how in the preseason, when we had the preseason media day, that there was a little bit of hesitancy at first at the early summer off-season workouts and stuff, off-season meetings. And then they came together. It was just a like there was just kind of a click moment that they kind of figured out and they started working out together and doing other things. But they need to get everybody on the same page. They need to get everybody watching film together. All those type of things, those small things that go a long way. Do you love the guy beside you or do you like him? That's my teammate, this is my colleague, or this is my brother. On the offensive line in particular, more so than any other position in football, that takes a group to another level. Are you going to dive and make that extra push, that extra nudge to help out your teammate beside you, your other offensive lineman, your brother? Or are you going to reach out with one arm and try to do it? Like, are you selling out full body or are you reaching out and trying to push a guy with one arm? Like, that's the difference. And you can see those small things on tape, and it didn't ever feel like this group had it this year. So Josh Henson, that's his job. You want your players to do it? You have a leader in Justin Dietrich, which makes it surprising that it didn't come together. And, hey, he maybe tried everything he could, and for whatever reason it didn't work. But Josh Henson has to get it done next year. Or he's the next guy that probably is is on the move out, I would say. If the offensive line does not take a big step forward, and maybe they will with all the young guys, and that's great for that young nucleus to be together, but you're going to have a mismatch type of group. Maybe you have Elijah Page in there. Maybe you have one of the other freshmen in there. And then Craig Neon, Mason Murphy, Jonah Monheim, are they still all in there together? Do you get another transfer that comes in and starts right away? You know, those type of things. Can you get those guys all to blend? And getting that blend is on Josh Henson. Shotgun, with another long rant there for the first question, 
he's he's giving his all here at the end of the show. In fact, our next question comes from the Twitter legend himself, El Chicano, a very polarizing user on that app. Helium Boys, I've seen some USC fans say they are expecting a top 20 defense this year. Are they setting themselves up to be disappointed this season? I think more, I think top 50 is more realistic. Obviously, Danton Lynn made a huge jump with UCLA's defense uh, this past season, made them, you know, top. 30 and obviously the number two rushing defense in the nation top 20 in a lot of things. So USC fans, maybe they're just saying, Hey, he's over here. USC next season, top 20 defense. I would say pump the brakes a little bit on that. I think top, I agree here that I think top 50 is more realistic. Do they have a lot to on their, their roster right now? Because that was a big, success point for that UCLA defense and reason why they were so successful. I think they have a better secondary, but again, you just have to lay it all out and see what they have compared to UCLA. I would say top 50 right now. But yeah. And we're saying 25 to 50 because top 50 obviously is more realistic than top 20 because top 20 still falls into the top 50. So you get that group plus the other group. Uh, yeah. It, it's definitely more realistic. Um, and probably more probable, I think, as well, because USC doesn't have the horses up front. Now, maybe things change. They added Nate Clifton from Vanderbilt, a solid pickup. I don't think it's anything that's going to be a game changer like Latu was and the Murphy Twins, but they still need horses that they don't have right now. So until they do that, UCLA did. Having Latu having the Murphy twins and having someone like Jay Toya that could eat up blocks, you know, that former, where, where's, where's your, uh, where's your sound bite, Chris, that you have for, for the, uh... I, I can do it right now. I can just do it right now. Cause we don't have a soundboard. Head like an elephant. <laughs> that was a little more uh coach than I wanted it to be, but you get the point. Biggest head I ever seen. Um, you know, if they still have Jay Toy around, then that may, maybe changes things too. But they need that they need that true nose tackle. They don't necessarily have it right now. UCLA had all those pieces up front, veteran, experienced guys. USC not there, so that's why I think that you got to pump the brakes on seeing the uh, a turnaround as drastic as the one that UCLA had. Josh asks, "Will we see any different linemen in the bowl game?" You kind of talked a little bit about this and the potential that we see them throw out a bunch of young guys. I don't know specifically if he means offensive linemen or defensive linemen, but I will say in general, yes. I think Elijah Page is going to get some run. I think Alani Noah is going to get some run. I think, you know, they'll they'll maybe Dejan Lafitte, who, you know, is a big body, 300-pound guy. They want to get a little bit of action. I really want to see Sam Green play a little bit in this bowl game. I think Devin Tompkins has to play in this bowl game, get a little bit of experience for him. So he doesn't have a ton. So yeah, I would say in general, yes, I think we're going to see not necessarily them start, but I think we'll see them play in this game. I mean, you would like to see that, but I don't know what necessarily leads you to believe that it will happen. Uh, Now, maybe you've seen something different at practice. Maybe the way that Dejan Lafitte skipped out to practice changed your mind on something, Chris, but for someone who hasn't played all season, now he did dress in the last game, so that was a positive step. And maybe they do want to get his feet wet a little bit. Uh, but you know, do we see more of someone like Kobe Pepe and say, "Hey, 
we need to find out if this guy can actually be here or if he's just another body. Um, especially with the changing of the defense, maybe you want to, maybe Denton Lynn wants to see a little bit more from him. That's somebody you might see, um, you know, or do you see some of the older guys like Jack Sullivan, you know, are they getting more opportunities? Keon bars. Do you give those guys opportunities to make their last stand kind of, all right, I need to be, I need to impress someone in the NFL community to give me an opportunity and they go out and ball out. You know, that those are the type of things that, Coaches are kind of balancing as they're trying to go through this and kind of depends on what you're looking for as a coaching staff. Are you looking to see, all right, I need to see Dejan Leafy. I need him to get those early reps. Um, Or are you more about, all right, I'm trying to win the game and I want to give these older guys an opportunity. And it it kind of fluctuates every single year. But yeah, I think you'll probably see on the offensive line, I would rotate some guys in at least. Now, again, I don't know the status of Jarrett Kingston. If he's not playing, then maybe that opens up things for Elijah Page or Alani Noah. Alani Noah did not look very good in the UCLA game. Uh, Mason Murphy went out for a little while, and then Noah struggled, especially with Latu. You know, they were matching up Latu one-on-one with Noah, and that's not a great matchup for someone who hasn't played in, like, you know, hadn't played offense in, like, three months. So, hey, here's your first opportunity. You're going up against – I don't – I don't know what all awards he's won so far, but he's won multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. So, hey, here you go. Good luck. Now, if he would have held it on, that would have really stood out to you. But, yeah, maybe you want to get his feet. You know, maybe you want to get him in there and get his confidence back a little bit. You know, so maybe you see some of the line, Noah. Uh, maybe you see some of the other young guys. Or maybe you see guys like Michael Tarquin, and you're like, we need to see something from you. You know, you started last game. Is he the guy that's going to be the right tackle or potentially even the left tackle next season? Maybe you move Jonah. Ma- like, there's so many things you could do, Chris, and which is why I would treat it like a spring game <laughs> going back. Question from Fight on Zoe. When do you think USC will get a QB, and how many transfers do you expect us to bring in? The QB question is interesting, and the transfer portal in general, moves super, super fast. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if a quarterback committed tomorrow or in two weeks. You know, it's it just very, very fluctuating. And it obviously, QBs are a little different. You know, you could be a Riley Leonard who immediately looks like Notre Dame, going to go commit and go to commit Notre Dame. And there's some like Cameron Ward who are kind of taking the process a little bit slower than others. Sorry, that's my dog barking, having a good time rolling around on my bed. Okay, okay, I'll make the point. I'm sorry, I'll make the point. So, yeah, there could be a bunch of different ways. I would say before January, there would be a QB in the fold. I know that's a big window, but that's as confident as I'm saying. Uh, that's 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 the time frame I'm confident in giving for when a QB could be in the mix or could be in the fold for USC's transfer class. In terms of how many, you know, I'm doing the trying to do the numbers in my head. I have them four to five defensive linemen, a couple defensive backs, a quarterback, a wide receiver, two, at least two running backs, uh, you know, a couple offensive linemen. I'm looking at around 12 to 13 transfer pickups. That's kind of the number in my head. And USC is currently at nine departures in our transfer tracker uh, with the news today that cornerback Fabian Ross, the second-year freshman, uh, that he has entered the the portal. Chris broke the news on. So 
you know, there's the numbers are going to vary back and forth, and we'll see. It's probably going to be somewhere between 10 and 15, depending on the people that move out of the program, all that type of stuff. As far as a quarterback, you want to get one in, honestly, as quick as you can. But definitely before the January semester, you got to get it, get them in there and get ready. Um, ideally, you would have it after the bowl game and before that semester. You know, if you could just pick and choose, and hey, we don't want to distract our current quarterback, but then we want to get our next quarterback in uh, or our next guy to compete. Let's not say next quarterback, next guy to compete, because I think Miller Moss is a great opportunity. Now, the question is, does he also believe, depending on who USC brings in, does he believe? that he has a fair shot to earn that spot and he sticks around or he says, these coaches aren't going to give me a fair shake. I'm going to go somewhere where I'm wanted as a number one guy. Um, And so that'll be a question for Miller Moss going forward too. And then if that's the case, does USC try to get another guy or are you content with Malachi Nelson and Jake Jensen being your two and three next season in either Either regard, I think that's part of the reason why they're in the transfer portal looking for someone right now is you don't want to have those two guys be your two and three uh, at this stage because Nelson's got still got to show you more with coming off the shoulder injury. Um, so I think that you're going to try to get them. Now, Chris, I got a question for you. This seems a lot slower so far this year for USC. Now, some other – Schools like Colorado is racking up a bunch of commitments and stuff. Does it feel like it's slower to you? Do you feel like that's maybe just the trend of USC's recruitment right now, where there's a lot of three-star guys, a lot of, you know, plan Bs for for some guys in high school, not the top-end guys? Or do you feel like they looked at what happened last year, brought in some guys that they thought were going to be, you know, were impressive on paper, thought were going to be difference-makers, the Keon Bars, the Jack Sullivans that never really made that big impact. And so they're being much more selective and doing due diligence a little bit more than they were last year. Yeah, if we had done stock down, I would have had stock down on the speed of USC's portal recruiting this year compared to last year because it is moving a little bit slower. I think it's a couple things, but I do agree that they're being more selective because, yeah, there were some misses in terms of their evaluations out of the portal for certain positions. And I think they're going to be more insightful or do a little bit more research than they did last year in terms of evaluating these guys before they bring them in and get them committed for the program. I also think, you know, they they stunk last year, uh, Shotgun. They were 7-5, and five, you know, it's easier to recruit when you're 11 and three and one one away from the comfortable playoff than you are seven and five. But obviously I think Lincoln Riley and you know, the staff has been successful in the portal. I think they're going to continue to be successful in the portal, but I do think they're slowing it down just a little bit in terms of the evaluations. Also when you change over some staff members, um, you know, that makes things a little bit more difficult. Whereas they had the continuity last year as well. Let's go to Dave's question. Do you feel confident that Lincoln Riley will actually let Danton Lynn replace the majority of this season's defensive staff? If Riley lets this happen, it should be strong evidence that he's actually accepting a major change in philosophy extremely needed. Actions over words. I mean, I can't really answer that for sure. Obviously, there's been one major change already with bringing in of Matt Entz. 
I would expect at least one more. I still think there's going to be some continuity on the staff. You know, just my feel right now, it feels like Sean Nua and Roy Manning are going to be sticking around for Lynn Staff. That's just the feeling. You know, I put in some some nuggets on the peristyle about Sean Nua the other day. And Roy Manning has my, been my pick from the start of this thing to be the guy who's shown he's a really good recruiter and has got some good guys recruited in this 2024 class that you would love to hold on to. He's been my pick as the one guy to stick in this class. So right now it does feel like Sean Nua and Roy Manning are trending towards being on this staff next season. I still think there would be at least one more new coach for next season. So if it's on the defense, it's Dante Williams because that's the one coach remaining. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Well, that's the, I'm reading between the lines for our readers or for our listeners as well. Um, yeah, it feels like there will be some more staff movement, and it doesn't feel like anyone's necessarily safe because Brian Odom was the second guy that was on the plane with Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to be let go. Um, now, he hasn't officially been let go, so – Technically, they can move him to another spot or something if Ince is going to be the linebackers coach. But when what we've, uh, if you are members of the the P, you've you know been able to read some of the tea leaves and stuff as well. Um, we've had a couple notes on that uh, that it seems like Brian Odom is likely moving on. So where exactly he'll go, we don't know. We wish him the best of luck if that is the case. But yeah, it still feels like there's going to be a little bit more movement. And even though Sean Lewis seems like he's safe right now, Roy Manning's the only one that I feel like is safe. Uh, and that's, you know, that's another right-hand guy for Lincoln Riley. Um, so I feel like he wants to keep one of his trusted guys on the defensive side, I would think. Sean Nua, remember, was hired uh, when Lincoln Riley got to USC. And Dante Williams was already at USC. And if I remember correctly, Dante Williams' contract expires after this season whereas Sean Nua had a two-year contract so his uh, or a three-year contract, so his would expire after next season. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that one because, again, USC is a private school, so we don't have the official um, the official contracts or anything. We can't go through a FOIA and get those or anything. But uh, So, yeah, I would not be surprised if there's more movement, and we'll see when it happens, if it happens, all those type things, and what transpires after that. You look at the offers that have gone out as far as transfers and stuff. And what kind of stands out to you, Chris? So like what positions are really going after right now? Because usually that tells you that position coach is involved. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the defense, they're definitely looking at a lot of defensive linemen. And because that is obviously going to be the focal point for this team because they need to overhaul the entire room. I mean, they're losing so many guys out of there, and Bear Alexander can't do everything himself against sure? these big. I mean, sure. I mean, <laughs> you he can't do it all himself, especially going up against you know Big Ten offensive lines next season. He needs more help. He needs more size. They need to get flat out bigger and stronger. You know, that's something Lincoln Riley mentioned during his uh, conference call earlier this month. But they need to get bigger and. The high school recruiting hasn't been successful when it comes to defensive line, so they're going to have to hit the portal very, very hard. They need that true zero technique, that big hulking mamma jamma that you can plug right in the middle to eat up space. They need to find that guy. It, it, it can't be Bear Alexander. It has to be somebody else 
designed just to eat up space because Bear Alexander is too athletic and dynamic to just be a space eater. They can they can make things happen with him. He just needs more help. So they definitely need more beef on the front. So that's where they're really going to be hitting the portal above all, all positions. Yeah, and you know, honestly, you want somebody at defensive tackle that also has it doesn't go by their birth name. You want somebody whose nickname is Tank or you uh, know uh, a veiled uh a veiled uh reference to the Arkansas defensive lineman who just entered. That's not a veiled one. It wasn't necessarily a, a, a reference to him, but you know, it stuck in the back of my head. Someone is named Tank. That's what you're looking for. You want someone like that in the middle. You got a bear. Now, can you, you know, someone whose nickname, you know, like Leonard Williams was the, you know, Leo the Lion. You need someone that's either has an animal reference in their name or it goes by something like Tank. Some sort of artillery is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, a, a bunker buster, you know, somebody like that. Uh, I don't know if anyone goes by that. That would be a difficult name. Bunker Buster Rodriguez. You know, he's pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, g- give me somebody who doesn't go by their their birth name. I'm always a fan of that uh, for reasons unknown. And, you know, I, I think that that's definitely something that they, they need. And like you said, Bear needs some help. We don't want to admit it because he was really good, but – he also declined as the season went on because didn't have a ton of help. So teams could double team him more, could really focus on him. And also he probably wore down because he was playing a shit ton of snaps. Um, whereas you would like to rotate him more and keep him fresh in the last couple of games, he was averaging, you know, like 60 something or 57, 58 snaps per game, which is a pretty good amount for a guy that's lining up at nose tackle a lot in those games. All right, Shotgun is referring to is Tank Booker, the Arkansas defensive lineman, by way of Maryland, by the way, who is in the transport as a grad transfer. Shotgun, six foot four, 351 pounds. That would get the job done as your nose tackle and just hulking and taking up a load of space. You could have a bear tank in the middle, Shotgun, a bear tank or tank bear. I'm partial to bear. bear tank. I'm partial uh-huh. to bear tank. Give me a tank but, bear, uh, baby. Okay, okay. Let us know what your favorite is, bear tank or tank bear. We'll see who wins. Uh, and I also want to put that on a shirt. Uh, give me a guy who doesn't go by their government name under shotgun spratling. So <laughs> it just it just works so well there. Let's move on to, uh, I never know how to say the name, but Sean Tong Bellantong, uh, a familiar face to me on Twitter. He asked two questions. How much worse will the defense play in the bowl game? Or do you really think they won't give up career highs for the QB and running back? And then is NIL the only reason four and five star offensive lines linemen do not commit to USC? Or is it more is it or is it more of an excuse? I think NIL is definitely the main culprit for not getting those four and five star offensive linemen alignment. I think Josh Henson is a good recruiter. As you can see, he's if he signs everyone in this class that he has right now, he will have signed nine high school offensive linemen. I think you could just rewind to several years back where USC struggled to just bring in any sort of lineman. They had to struggle and beg and claw for them at the very end of National Signing Day. For the most part, Josh Hinton is getting the guys that he wants, and they're still going after those four- and five-star offensive linemen. 
I would gather to say that they're going to get a big high four, maybe even a five star in 2025. They've built relationships through 2025. 2025 is when we're really going to start to see some of those relationships from the staff when they first came in pay off down the line. So I would spank on them getting a big offensive lineman in 2025 this this cycle. But NIL is a big reason why they have struggled to get those premier linemen. Definitely has not helped. Um, the USC has been a little bit behind the ball there on the high schoolers, at least. Um, and then on the other side, how much worse would the defense play? Do we really not think that they're – or do you really think they won't give up career highs? Well, USC actually is already second on Jack Plummer's career high list because he hey. played at Cal last year. Louisville's quarterback played at Cal and threw for 406 yards against USC with three touchdowns and interception. He only has one other career 400-yard game, which, of course, comes against Maryland, Chris. Oh, come on now. Why'd you say it like that? I don't like how you said that. <laughs> but that was also in 2019. So in the last you know four years of his career, USC is his career high uh, or his four-year high. So you know if he does throw for a career high, it won't be something that you know out of off brand, I guess, for what has already happened in the past with that. So yeah, you know, there's no reason to think that they won't give up career highs just because that's been something they've done all season. But we'll see bowl games or you wonder who's going to show up, who's interested. And Louisville was looking at, hey, can we get in a New Year's Six Bowl? Now we get sent to San Diego for the Holiday Bowl. Are we just in it for the SeaWorld trip or are we excited to be there? You know, can we make something happen against USC? Same thing with USC. It all comes down to who's motivated to play. That's such a huge part of every game in college football, much less a bowl game where some guys are opting out, some guys are in the transfer portal, blah, 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 blah. Our next question is a two-parter as well. Comes from Lucy. Question for the Helium boys. Who do you think would be better for USC? Not necessarily a better QB, but would lead the team better. Cameron Ward or Will Howard? We can do this first part question, Shotgun. I my bet my guess, my pick, Siri, not my guess, is Will Howard. I'm a Will Howard boy, and that is what I'm sticking with, Shotgun. It's interesting. Um, I don't like Cam Ward's sack numbers with the way USC offensive line played this year. So I would take the bigger, stronger guy that can break a tackle a little bit more and Will Howard just to relieve some of the pressure off the offensive line or relieve some of the um, egg and tomatoes that will be thrown at them because of the way that they would play. Whereas Cam Ward, you know, was he holds on the ball a little bit longer and gets sacked, and he, you know, he keeps plays alive. It's similar to Shadur Sanders; they keep plays alive, but they take a lot of sacks because they don't throw the ball away when they're supposed to. And that's something that you know Caleb Williams did too. He held on the ball and took some sacks, but he also is Houdini in the pocket, and he threw the ball away a pretty good amount too. Uh, where some of those don't. So Will Howard probably fits better in that regard. He also runs the ball a little bit more, not a ton more, not as much as his stats may look like, partly because of those sack numbers. But you know, you can use him in some design runs. Maybe Lincoln Riley goes back to some of the Jalen Hurts stuff. Um, you know, just big body guy, and you're using him to run. Cam Ward, it, it can be electric at times. 
but it's interesting. Like he has very high highs and very low lows uh, during his time at, at Washington State. So a little bit of fear there that there's high risk, high reward with him. So maybe Will Howard is better just as a flatline guy for USC. You get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, do those type of things. So I think I would lean towards Will Howard, but I haven't seen a ton of Kansas State play with him playing. I think uh, the games I've watched in the last couple of years, at least uh, um, one or two of them, he's been injured. So, uh, you know, that makes it a little bit more difficult. But I think I would lean towards Will Howard there. The second part of her question, humor me, is there like an infinitesimal zero, non-zero chance that Caleb Williams shocks the world and upends the laws of football gravity by foregoing the bowl game, but coming back to USC, like even a very small chance? I guess in the terms of the universe, there is never a 0.0000% chance. There's always some small speck of percentage that maybe something could happen, what you would call a statistical miracle. (laughs) But outside of me telling you that, no, there is no small chance that there is a quote-unquote miracle and Caleb Williams returns for another season at USC. Not happening. Um, And, you know, you've seen the numbers, the rumors, at least, oh, there's – these big time numbers that have been thrown out for Marvin Harrison, that there that there's NIL money for 20 or $25 million. Even if like Caleb Williams wants to get there are numbers that are similar to a rookie contract, I think is what the way the original tweet was worded. But even if you get those numbers towards the, the that rookie contract, that's not what you want as the NFL, the guy who's going to the NFL and you're going to be a first round pick. You want that second contract. So you want to go ahead and get started on the first one so you can get to the second one. It's very similar to basketball players, particularly basketball players, all reclassifying and moving up. Because why do you want – if you're the generational guy, if you're the top 10 guy, you think you're an NBA guy, why are you waiting an extra year to get to college? If you're already ready to play college, you're already physically ready, why not go ahead and bump up a class? Because then you can go to the NBA a year earlier – and then you can start working towards that second contract a year earlier. So that's what it all starts with. Um, and for football, it's the same thing, especially with the NFL, meaning not for long. And football just being such a potentially dangerous sport, you don't really want to risk a season. You don't want to give yourself another season of hits when you can go ahead and move forward. So if you're that top-end guy, you go ahead and go. I mean, my my advice has always been: if you are a first round pick, you go. You know, and then after that, it becomes all right. Let's talk and have a discussion. But if you're a first round pick, go. There's no reason to stick in college if you are eligible to go and you're a first round pick. And the last part of Lucy's submissions is also hi, love the podcast, and love to see the DT represent in my podcast feed. I'm not sure what the DT is, a Daily that Trojan? Is the Daily Trojan, because I worked okay, with Lucy at, at the Daily Trojan. So great oh. to thanks for listening, Lucy, and really uh, great to see you doing well, too. So you have the dirt on Lucy? The dirt? I don't have dirt on anyone, Chris. <laughs> I'll keep those files. That, that uh, is, that's not that true. Is, that's not true. That, you is, know very, that is very much not true. Uh, the final question, which I am very excited Chris, for. Chris can see my uh, file case in the back here. Yeah, I can literally see a <laughs> file case in the back. 
Uh, last question, and I'm very excited for it because it is a non-USC fun question from Samuel. You have unlimited money to buy one Christmas present for each other. What would you buy? I already have my answer. All right. Are you buying me the Helium Boys hoodie? Is that what you're saying, Chris? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> With my infant amount of money, I'm buying one hoodie for Shotgun. No, I am buying Shotgun the uh, Atlanta Braves. <laughs> oh, sweet. Or or any of the Atlanta franchises that he wants, or the Hawks, or the Falcons. <laughs> I just picked the Braves because he's a big baseball guy, obviously. So I'm going to buy him whatever franchise. I'm going to call him up and be like, hey, Sugar, pick one. Pick one out of a hat. I'm buying you <laughs> with $10 billion. So which one would you prefer, Shotgun? That is is it pub- the Braves? That is a publicly traded company. So technically, you can buy me a stock. Okay. You I'll buy you need the majority stock. <laughs> I would buy you the majority stock in whichever one you wanted. So which one would you want? Uh, I'm I'm guessing going with the Braves. They get the best shot at actually okay. winning the title. There um, you go. Or, no, wait. I'll take the Falcons so I can trade up and get Caleb Williams. Ownership is making a decision. Trade the farm. We're getting Caleb Williams to go with Drake London and Kyle Pitts and B. John. There you go. There you go. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Chris, if I had unlimited money to buy you a Christmas present, I would buy you a bigger statue on the Maryland campus because I have not been able to find yes. your statue. I, you told me it's there somewhere. There's at least a plaque, but I haven't seen it. So we're going to get a, you know, we're going to get a full, you know, big, larger than life, uh, you know, full cast. We're going to get it put out um, outside the journalism building, uh, Chris Trevino, so that when USC fans come to College Park next year. They will be able to enjoy that statue. We'll have a, a full Helium Boys meetup at the Chris Trevino statue. Let's go. I'm probably going to – I should bring, like, two Helium Boys hoodies, and I should give them away to someone. Or I could find the statue and then put it on the statue, like, you know, like you're pranking it. So, yeah, that that would be a wonderful Christmas present to me. Um, also potentially horrifying if we get a bad – uh, sculptor and I end up looking like the Ronaldo the sculpture. Ronaldo. The Ronaldo if it ends up looking like that. So maybe not. But then you become call that guy. Won't call that guy is what I'm saying. But then you become more world famous. That is that is also true. That is also true. That is also true. So yeah, I would I would uh gleefully accept that present shotgun. Um this is the part of the show where I would shout out people that bought a helium boys hoodie or shirt but that has not happened yet hopefully the next time that we do a podcast i will be talking about some wonderful people that are walking around with our stupid faces on their chest so um that's all we got shotgun oh wait no that's not i have take it or leave it oh my god i totally forgot about taking wow, what, what kind of host I'm, are you i'm so, I was so excited I was I was so excited to talk about a fake segment that hasn't even happened yet that uh, I, I skipped over my own segment. So, Shotgun, take it or leave it. We already did one little bonus one at the top. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Shotgun, take it or leave it. USC Hoops does not make the NCAA tournament. Oh, this is getting dicey right now. I'm going to be optimistic and leave it, but... Okay, okay. They better show me something. I'm going down to Auburn to check them out. Uh, they'll play on Sunday. It's a 10 a.m. Pacific time game, a noon local 
game, I believe it is. I believe Auburn is in the central time zone. I have to check on that for sure, make sure I get there on time. Uh, but I need to see something when they go to Auburn. And I think we saw some great flashes from Bronny James. So, you know, as his minutes restriction gets lessened, I think we'll see more and more of him. But the other guy's got to step up. Way too many turnovers, make some free throws. Isaiah Collier has not been great recently. We need him to to, to step into that if he wants to be considered that, you know, number one pick um, potential guy. You got to be able to make free throws and things. And he was doing this really well before two games ago. So he's in a little tiny bit of funk. Got to see him break out of it. Uh, looking forward to seeing what they do after a full week of practice and then heading to uh, Auburn for or to Alabama for a game at Auburn on Sunday, Sunday midday, and then Tuesday night they'll play at Alabama State um, as part of the Pac-12's initiative to play uh, historic black colleges and universities. Shotgun, take it or leave it. At least five more transfers out for USC. Already at nine, I believe it is. Nine or ten? Um, I would have to look over the roster to kind of do this, but I, I think I'll take it because I know there's a couple of names that I've kind of got pegged. I actually wanted – I forgot to do this with you, Chris. I wanted us to do an off – not on on record, but just scribble it down like, all right, th- you know, prioritize our list of like this guy's definitely going and do a point system of who got more oh. correct on the transfers they were leaving. Uh, but That's yeah, I, I think I would have to look up the whole roster to figure out who I think is still going. But I, I think off the top of my head, I would take that one. Take it or leave it. Miller Moss three touchdown passes in the Holiday Bowl. That's it. With Marshawn Lloyd being out, can I go? I'm gonna I'm gonna get a three total touchdowns, and I'll okay. take that. Okay. So I'll I guess te- technically I'm leaving it because yes. Miller's got two rushing touchdowns. When he gets down the goal line, he's been willing to pull that read option and go in. So I think he gets two throws and, and one rushing. Okay. If uh, the offensive line blocks. Take it or leave it. A new user coach will be hired before Christmas. Uh, excuse me. You, you cut out of that. A new what? A new USC defensive coach will be hired before Christmas. Mm, I'm going to leave it. I feel like this is kind of the, the segment where there's not a lot of moves unless you, unless you can make a move by the end of this week to help you with recruiting for that early signing period. I, I think I'll leave it. I mean, there's there's kind of a, a couple of coaches here and there every day. But I think you kind of wait till after the bowl game at this point. And finally, shotgun, take it or leave it. USC adds a nose tackle of 320 pounds or more. I'm going to leave it because I don't have confidence in them being able to get the guys they necessarily want right now. On the defensive line, particularly. Now, I know you did talk to Nate Clifton from Vanderbilt, the transfer that USC got. What were kind of your overall thoughts on that? You know, we got a VIP piece up on you know his conversation, but just your overall thoughts on Nate Clifton, that pickup being the first, not the first transfer portal because they got Hank Pepper from Michigan State as the long snapper, quality long snapper too. 
a guy that's got plenty of experience, going to be a scholarship guy, I'm assuming. Um, and so I think that's a solid pickup for him to replace Jack Casasante. But, you know, overall thoughts on, on the Nate Clifton pickup? Six foot eight, 280 pounds from Vanderbilt. Uh, six foot impression eight? Which- so six foot five for 280 pounds oh, okay. is what I meant to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> six foot five. I don't want this to spread like wildfire on a uh, social media. Chris Vino says he's six, eight, six, eight. They're all liars. Uh, first impression, just very bright, you know, young man. Uh, I feel very old saying the term young man. I didn't want to say that to make <laughs> myself seem older, but I did. But, you know, just a, a team captain at Vanderbilt. And I could tell why very well-spoken very intelligent and, you know, like most transfers going through this process, they know what they want, you know, in a high school, it's like, you know, all these different things going on. But when you're in the transfer market, you don't have a lot of time to make this decision and you don't want to go through this process, drag it out. So it moves so fast. And he kind of talked about that. He's very open and honest about how USC wasn't high on his list early, but he said when Lincoln Riley came to see him in person, that's when things opened for him and they saw how much they valued him and how much they wanted him. And, you know, he was going to visit in January, which in the transfer portal timeline is like years from now. <laughs> so he, when Lincoln Riley talked to him and visited him, he moved, he flew to LA the next day. He moved up his visit for the next day and bang, USC closed it 72 hours later with his commitment. He's like, this is where I want to be. I want to get to the NFL. I, I believe in coach, uh, coach Lynn, what they're building here. And I want to be a part of it. So, you know, I came away really impressed listening to him. And obviously he's a much needed body on that defensive front. I definitely think he's a guy who could start, you know, maybe kind of replacing that uh, Solomon bird kind of defensive end spot, a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, maybe more Jack Sullivan, but I think he's more athletic than that former offensive tackle. Uh, so he does have that interesting background with him. Uh, but again, I think it's a really good pickup. He's a four-star prospect in the transfer market, was a three-star lineman out of high school. And he talked about how, you know, this will be an interesting journey for him. He is from Nashville, Tennessee. You know, obviously went to Van- Vanderbilt, has played in Tennessee his whole life. So this is going to be a new new thing, going away from his mother and moving to California and playing a season on the West Coast. He's never really had to leave home. So it's going to be an interesting uh, move for him, an interesting chapter. But I think I liked the pickup, and I liked talking to Nate Clifton. He was a very uh, bright young man. Should be an interesting. interesting young man again. Should be interesting to see how USC continues to build out that defense line. You mentioned it earlier in the show. Just a lot of bodies are leaving. You know, whether it be someone like Dejan Bitten going into the transfer portal, Jack Sullivan's gone, Keon Bars is gone. Um, Tyrone Tolini is gone. We'll see if Stanley Taufu is around or if he enters the transfer portal or if he's just kind of done with his career because he did the senior walk on senior day. So we'll see if he's around next year. So could be several bodies that are are leaving the program as well as Solomon Bird. So I, I think it's interesting to see how they stack other pieces around because that could tell you where Nate Clifton ends up because one of the things was – he can kind of slide around. He can do so. He has some versatility similar to Jack Sullivan. I was kind of disappointed with the production of Jack Sullivan, which whether it's on him or the coaching staff, it, you can look at it either way. 
but he wasn't used in many ways. He wasn't tried in different ways to see, all right, let's see if we can use him in this way to be able to get some more production off of him. You know, there was that whole stretch in the middle of the season where he barely played. So that was disappointing to me because he was someone I thought, that, hey, you can move him around a little bit and do some different things uh, alongside of Bear Alexander, alongside Keon Bars, and that, you know, that, trio never really came together to to solidify to be a, a force for USC up front outside of Bear Alexander. So we'll see if Nate Clifton can become that because he played a, a, a large amount of snaps in the B gap, which is a defensive tackle, which would have been, you know, which would have been where basically Stanley Tafu lined up beside Bear Alexander a lot this season. So can he take over those snaps or Tyron Tolini's snaps if those guys are gone or if Stanley is gone? Um, or if he's if he stays either way, but I think that's interesting is that he could play that B gap and be a defensive tackle, or maybe you try to bulk him up a little bit more so he can play down in- interior, or do you slim him down a little bit to try to move him out to the edge? And I think that you have some options there a little bit with what he's done in the past. But as you said, a captain, and you know, as, as you talked about, just the, you know, you like to talk to the players, and okay, you can tell this guy really knows what he's talking about, really understands why he goes through the process and it's not just like, Hey, I wanted to go to the transfer portal, see how it was like. And USC called, you know, there's a thought process behind it. So we'll see uh, you know, what happens with that position. And we'll see if Nate Clifton can be an impact guy for USC next year. On this podcast has gone on way too long, even it though all- I hope the listeners enjoyed it. It always does. I know I'm that's what sorry. you're going to say. I, I'm sorry. We got to rest that voice up because lots of recruiting to happen, lots of transfers to talk about in the future. So I need your voice in tip-top shape, Shotgun. All right, I'll do what I can. I'll get some more tea here, Chris. Get ready. I got one more podcast this week, and then back to the Helium Boys next week. Back to the Helium Boys. Make sure you check out the Triple Double Podcast. I baked a loaf of bread and made a cake listening to last week's episode. So very good. I highly recommend it if you love that basketball or you just love shotgun in general and want to get some triple-double going in your life. So uh, triple-double on the triple-double is what I meant to say. But shotgun, we're going to end this podcast. This is where I would shout you out if you bought a Helium Boys hoodie or T-shirt. So, you know, that could be you. You could be listening to me talk about you right now. Again, the Parastyle Shop, Helium23 is your discount code, all caps. Put that at checkout and get 10% off. Shotgun, that's all I got. I'm Chris, that shotgun. Thank you for listening to the Helium Boys, a serious, non-serious UFC podcast.